Welcome back for Esports Report Episode 7. I'm Money Monzon, your host, here with Skis, and we have a banger of a week to recap. We had VCT Open Qualifier number 2. The closed bracket or the closed groups are finalized, and we're going to go over all of that. CDL started their league play. Blast Premier had its uh, Spring Invitational conclude. There's Apex ranked and season changes coming up and of course we have esports reports top five players of the week for you skis how was your week what are you excited about from the esports world this week my week was great thank you for asking uh, esports has been pretty interesting we're finally getting into the swing of things again it's great to see uh, all these games having competition uh and it, it's just been fun. Uh, I know you have a lot to talk about in Valorant. I didn't necessarily watch too much. Uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit of CDL. And, uh, of course, uh, the Apex um, ALGS coming up uh, here in a few weeks as well. So I think we have a pretty good little agenda for today, and I'm excited to dive into it. As am I. And we have some speculation on ALGS because, again, like we've mentioned in the past, it is so hard to find information about that. But first, let's start with what is probably the most important um, week was probably from Valorant. These, this was the last open qualifier. And we talked last week a little bit about how a lot was going on on social media. And there was a lot of surprises. Some teams qualified that we thought we would qualify other teams you know got knocked out early this week there was less social media and there was more playing which yes. was good to see so, yep so uh the last open qualifier was this weekend um uh, i'm interested to hear what you saw kind of what what went down in this last open qualifier well so I think the best team that would that did not qualify last week that was left is Rise Esports. They went out in the upper semifinals to Evil Geniuses, who we'll talk about in a minute, but they end up qualifying through lowers. Again, we saw T1, TSM, and especially FaZe Clan really struggle in this tournament. All three made it through uh, the round of 128 and the round of 64. And I believe, T yes, TSM was the only team to win their round of 32 matchup. FaZe um, and T1 both lost their round of 32 matchup. They go down and both win one match, and they lose to the likes of Cosmic Divide for T1, which is a Orgless team, and Anvox, who ended up losing in the next round to Bait Academy, another orgless team. So these are major tier one organizations. I, I use that in quotations because they are they are T one organizations in the grand scheme of esports. Their rosters in Valorant are not performing as such. And watching the Anbox Phase Clan matchup was um there's glaring holes and glare they're there's a glaring lack of organization. And we talked about how it's a young roster. They were just put together a few weeks ago. They have really young players. Larry Banks, I think, is 16. Flya is 18, I believe. So young players just got on the roster. 
obviously need more time. Um, I hope this roster doesn't get broken up because I think often we are too quick to the trigger to break up esports teams. Um, but they definitely need some more time and they need to sort some things out. All right. So whenever you're saying orgless well, teams uh, versus like regular or teams that are affiliated with an organization, like a big organization, uh, is it safe to say like these org orgless teams are not necessarily getting paid to be on the team and they're just like entering these tournaments and seeing what happens? That's correct. So orgless means, I mean, these Cosmic Divide has a logo and they have a Twitter and things like that, but it's not a salaried team. Right. So the players are not on salary. They might get certain money if they do certain things, but they're not salaried players. Like okay. Kansas City Pioneers or Luminosity, Built by Gamers, Complexity, those kind of... Those are orgs that are paying their players, and they might not get all of their winnings from a tournament because the org will have to take some of them. Um, so, th so that was a little recap of the last open qualifier. Um, so moving on from open qualifiers, we go to the closed qualifiers. And uh, from what I'm reading here, those have been set, and George Geddes is reporting the groups. Yeah, so Dot Esports and George Geddes, who is a is probably the premier Valorant reporter, um, is reporting the groups. Let's first talk about who did qualify. We talked about Rise qualifying. Evil Geniuses got through in this open qualifier, and there's a very interesting story on that team. Your boy Dre uh, was part of the PUBG players that came over to play with Hiko with the first iteration of 100 Thieves. He performed well, maybe not so much the other PUBG guys. They all got dropped. Hiko stayed on the roster. The rest is history with 100 Thieves. Well, um, your boy Dre's bounced around a little bit. He played for Luminosity. He left that roster. He just got picked up by EG before this qualifier. And they make it through, and your boy Dre played um, brilliant on Initiator when he is usually a duelist. So that's a good story coming out of there. Pittsburgh Knights, uh, kind of a surprise out of their side of the bracket in the upper. They come out of a bracket that included a crew, Sonics, built by gamers, um and box complexity so gen g was in that side so pittsburgh knights was a big surprise and then the last team to qualify was lg beating sonics in the lower bracket final um so those are the the four teams that round out your 16 they are going to be grouped in with the four uh, invites the 100 thieves cloud nine sentinels and envy and the qualifiers from last week's open qualifier, Exet, The Guard, Version 1, and NRG. Um, now, if this report is true, the groups are pretty interesting. Group A is going to feature 100 Thieves, Cloud9 Blue, Exet, The Guard, Luminosity, and EG. Uh, interesting matchup will be 100 Thieves and Evil Geniuses. Your boy gets to play... Your boy Dre gets to play against 100 Thieves again. Um, this is the more interesting group to me. Group B is going to feature Sentinels, Envy, Version 1, NRG, Knights, and Rise. I think Rise is a very good team. I think Version 1 is a very good team. But I think Sentinels and Envy are by far the best two teams in NA, and that group is 
kind of settled before it's even begun. Group A, I think 100 Thieves, Cloud9 Blue, and Xset are basically the same team. I think it depends on which version of those teams you get on any given day that's going to decide which two of those three teams make it out of this group. Um, two teams will make it out of each group into playoffs where four teams will compete for two spots in Masters. So exciting stuff coming up. Those matches are going to start on Thursday and they're going to run for five weeks. So we'll have uh, kind of consistent, very high level NA Valorant each week. So how many matches take place each week? Do you know, or is that something that you don't know? Each week, I have to do some math here. Uh, one, two, three... There'll be six matches each week. Each team is going to play one match per week for five weeks. Um, it's round robin in your groups, single round robin. So 100 Thieves will play, a, I believe it's a BO3. Um, might be a BO5. I hope it's a BO5. I believe it's a BO3. I'll have to look into that, and hopefully I'll have an answer by the end of the pod. But um, 100 Thieves will play Cloud9, Exit, The Guard, Luminosity, and EG, and acquire, accumulate points for map wins and victories over teams and uh, the teams that the two top teams in each group are going to make it out into playoffs and that format is decided and i don't have the answer to how the four teams will fight for two spots okay um so so kind of moving on from that um since we just talked about the close qualifiers and stuff like that um, you, you touched on this a little bit before when we were talking about the open qualifiers, but can you go into a little bit more depth maybe into the phase's performance? Yes. And so it's a hard one to talk about, and I've been very critical of phase. And there's some players that I'm fond of, of on phase. There are also players that I think are quite overrated, like Baby Bay. Um Larry Banks is 16 years old. Flya is 18. Shot up Andrew Orlowski, came from CS. He's got a lot of experience. He was a duelist before and is now playing controller. He's playing Viper and Astra. Dicey, we talked about a little bit last week. He is also a former duelist that's now playing Sage and Sky, at least in this tournament. And... Baby Bay is the only person from this team that played Duelist. And in their matchup against Anbox that they lost, Baby Bay went 41 and 41 and 18. A negative kill to death ratio. Or, or excuse me, an equal kill to death ratio out of your Duelist. And that's, that is not good enough. Especially out of a player that a tier 1 org built around. And you have a lot of young supporting players. Baby Bay has to do more in the fragging department. Especially because he doesn't have to IGL. Yeah. Do you think uh, maybe that could be a testament to having players play agents that they're not necessarily like used to and have a lot of experience with? Is... Absolutely. Okay. In, in Valorant, your success as a duelist is largely dependent on how you're set up to enter a site you can't enter sites dry in this game you will die instantly so you have to have smokes in the right place you have to have flashes you have to have 
recon darts, sky dogs, things like that to allow you to get into sight and then get the frag. So if you have a player like Dicey who's new to playing sky, or you have a player like Shot Up who's new to playing Viper or Astra, maybe some of those smokes aren't right. Maybe, you know, we're not dogging at the right time, flashing in the right spots of the map. Um, maybe those things need to get ironed out, but FaZe um, Clan was a team that the Valorant community looked at and pointed to in this season saying this is going to be a super exciting team and I'm looking at it right now like I don't really care to watch any of their matchups because if they play any sort of high level tier 2 team or any tier 1 team they are going to get destroyed well there's your insight on phase I guess yeah and I want to I want to talk about one more thing before it slips my mind if any yeah. of you listening have the chance, or even you, Skis, because I don't know you, I know you didn't watch a whole lot of this tournament. If you get the chance to watch one of these matches, go watch Gen G Renegades. And I will tell you that the map three on Split is the craziest game of Valorant that you will see this year. I, I will almost guarantee that. That map three is going to be the best decider map of a series <laughs> that you will see all season. And I want to shout out quickly Ghost Gaming. Ghost Gaming we talked about a little bit last week where uh, they had John QT and some young players. Um, they made a really good run in the upper bracket of this tournament. They beat FaZe Clan in the round of 32 and then they promptly beat TSM in the, the round of 16. And then they barely barely lost uh in a three map series against eg who ended up going on to qualify um they won a few more games than in the lower bracket and um and we're out but uh ghost gaming a new roster that's just been put together having some good showings uh, where where are they out of, are they out of located yeah i don't know where they're i don't think they're like centrally located i don't think it's like sentinels where they're flying all their players and moving all their players to austin texas um they have a, a roster that's very international john qt is moroccan brock and ryan are both american koala noob is canadian and talk about a player that had a great tournament koala noob was excellent and then nismo i'm not nismo's uh from lebanon so a very international roster for ghost gaming Okay, um, so since we're on the topic of, you know, where teams are located and stuff like that, tell me a little bit about the situation going on with TSM. Oh, TSM. So we talked about how disappointing they were last week. They uh, go out of the upper bracket in the round of 16, and they have to make a long loser's bracket run. They beat Run It Down to nothing. That's a uh, orgless team. They barely get past Complexity, who features Governor. Um, two to one, and then they lose two nil to built by gamers. Um, this roster is similar to Phase in that they look disorganized at times. They look um, outmatched in aim duels and in one v ones. They look like they're using their util in the wrong places at the wrong times. They feature one of the best oppers in NA in Wardell. And one of the most experienced players in Yassine, Sabroza. Um, I don't know if this 
18-year-old uh, IGL in Rossi, um, having Aleko and Corey on this team. I don't know if that's any better than having Drone and Cutler and the OG TSM team that was top of NA at the beginning of Valorant. Um, TSM has come out and said they've given full control to their GM to make any player decisions, roster changes that they need to to benefit this team. They're moving all of the team once the roster is settled to Austin, Texas. They're all going to play together daily in the same complex. They are going to limit their streaming time. They're going to probably do some social media training. And it sounds like overall TSM is committed to creating a more professional Valorant environment when this team is kind of seem like they don't really care if they win or lose. They just want impressions. So good for TSM for taking a step. We'll see if any roster changes are made. I don't know if there will be, but Cutler today on Twitter uh, was having a back and forth with Wardell and Sabrosa uh, talking about maybe getting the gang back together. So uh, maybe we see the return of Drone and Cutler. And, and that, uh, them moving to Austin to kind of be together, get social media training and all that stuff, uh, I think that speaks volumes to kind of where we're at in esports. When you see people uh, like living together, uh, having fun together, making content on YouTube or whatever it may be, uh, people are going to want to be a part of that. People are going to want to root for you. And, and I mean, as long as it's good and people are going to want to play for you at that point, you know, so you're going to get attention from not only like your supporters and stuff like that, but other pros that might be looking for a new team sometimes. So uh, I think that's, I think that's a good move on their part. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Skis. And um, right now, TSM is top of the list of teams that people love to hate um, yes. through all of their antics on social media, all the drama last week with T1. We didn't get that T1 TSM rematch that we all wanted to see so badly, but um, yeah, they could use a little bit of good PR. Skis, speaking of good PR, uh, I think I know a esports league that could use some cdl cdl uh we talked about the kickoff classic last week cdl has started their official season give me a brief overview of what you saw so yes cdl has started and it is not fun to watch in my opinion uh, you might as well call it hardcore league I mean, there's not even Call of Duty in it. It's just you shoot two bullets and the people in there are dead, and it's it's hard to watch. Um, you know, some some big surprises out of opening weekend. London Royal Ravens go two and zero against uh, they three zero Florida Mutineers, and then they beat um, Optic Texas three two in a in a map five round eleven search. And uh, I mean, they're they're playing really well with all their young guys over there. Uh, phase barely escapes Paris. Uh, maybe LA Thieves 3 1, though. Um, another team on my radar that's of surprises is Seattle. They 3 0 New York, and then they be Ultra 3 2. Another good showing out of the surge. Another really good show showing out of the surge. Um, Pred and Sib over there are just an unreal, unreal duo. Uh, you, people can't catch up to them. They're 
they're so quick and they move around the map so well and uh they're really they're they're a fun team to watch and they're also really like well versed on their in their content outside of call of duty like the stuff that they post on twitter and youtube and stuff is very entertaining and i think pred especially is going to be somebody in the call of duty scene to look out for in the future as becoming the next like big thing in the content world and i i love to see that and he's absolutely amazing at the game as well and for those of you who don't know my home base is seattle so i have a slight affinity for the surge and i want to talk real quick about their matchup against the subliners because i think there's something important here um mm. they won 250 to 171 on hard point on tuscan fine whatever yeah. bow cage they played search and destroy they won six five and then in the next map, Gravitu, they won control 3-2. They're winning very closely contested maps, and I think that is something that's harder to do than just, you know, steal series from teams. I think being able to win tightly contested maps shows a bit of steel, especially from a, lo a young roster. And that, that brings us to another another team that has been having very close uh, matches in Optic Texas. They lost both of their maps 3-2 to London and Rocker. Uh, they, they can't close out. They just can't seem to find a way to close out. They're not playing well on search. They're taking, they're just leaping into fights in search and destroy and it's not working out for them. Um, real quick, um, on optic though uh one thing i will say is they haven't had out of these first two weekends of the season well the first real weekend of the season i guess uh, they haven't all had maps where they all click together it's always two people are playing really well and two people playing really really bad and uh it kind of flipped from the kickoff classic because in the kickoff skunk and illy weren't playing very well and then this weekend, we have Scump and Shotzi pulling all the way, and Italy and Dashi are kind of, I mean, they're not playing terribly, but they're not playing to the level that we've seen in the past. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the season moves on, moves forward. And I think we have two more weekends of uh, qualifying play before the first major, so it'll be It'll be interesting to see what happens before the first major, uh, the first weekend of March. It will be interesting to see, and I think you and I talked about how exciting this season could potentially be for the CDL because this game is built for young talent to succeed. I think that there's got to be a little bit of balance, though, because if the first major doesn't include the likes of New York Subliners with Clayster and Crem6 or Optic Texas, who came into the you know season one of the front runners and is the revenue driver for this league. Let's make no doubts about that. If we're missing teams like that in the first major because they can't get their number of teams right, that's bad for the CDL. And some level of parity is great for the league. But if you don't have an underdog versus Goliath storyline somewhere along the line of the season, that is not good. Too much parity can be a detriment. Right. Um, and, and since you brought up the subliners, they won one map 
uh, this past weekend. They got 3 0 by Surge, as we talked about, and then they got 3 1 by the Gorillas. Um, they're, they're in last place right now in the, in the rankings. Uh, and it's just it, because they've only won one app, that's why they're in last place. But um, yeah, that, that's not great when you have Krim and Clay over there, two of the bigger names in Call of Duty, and you might not see them come major number one. And I feel like that is a the bomb has been planted in round eleven for the New York Sunliners, and that bomb is ticking. And it's only a matter of time before Clay and Krim explode. I think. Hey, but the only team that they have to worry about beating might be Optic Texas, and right now it's looking pretty doable. Yeah, I mean, still, if I have to win one one uh, matchup in the CDL still give me the subliners i look at that optic texas lineup and i i can't help but think they're gonna sort it out i hope so man i hope so just i mean from my fandom you know i hope, I hope they figure it out yeah so who do you think's on the hot seat what which of these teams makes a roster move first you know just based on based on just this first weekend i think i think the subliners are probably gonna have to do something uh, that's something that we didn't necessarily expect coming in. Um, I don't know what that roster change might be, but um, I think, I mean, they're either going to have to figure it out or they're going to have to make a change in order to start winning, just start even winning maps, let alone matches. Do you think they dropped Clayster? I, I don't think they dropped Clay because, I mean, they just they have so much invested in Clay. You know, he's he's the face of the New York subliners. I, I mean, I know they have Grimm, but Clay uh, has been there for, what, two years? So um, I think they have to keep him just for the for the sake of him being kind of the face of New York. And that's always interesting to me. I think that there's a parallel here between esports and and sports where the players that are getting paid the most money, the faces of the franchise, have a longer leash, even though there might be players in the helm that are ready and, and have already surpassed the age talent, but don't get the opportunity as quickly as they might you know, have earned. Right. Yeah. Just because that face is not just... They're not just driving the team. They're driving revenue, let's be honest about it, right? Clayster right. is New York subliners, and without him playing, maybe less people tune in. Yes, and I mean, people were even talking about Scump after kickoff classic. Like, oh, Scump's falling off. He was bad. Good anymore. He, he was bad. We'll, we'll call it what it was. He wasn't good in the kickoff classic. But this weekend, uh, we see Scump return to being Scump. I mean, he was winning his gunfights. He was positive 12, I think, in the first hard point, and he... he uh, I mean, he played like he normally played this past weekend. They just—I mean, once again, they don't—they just all weren't playing at the level that maybe we would expect out of them. So talk to me about Vanguard. Is this game good for the CDL? This game is not good at all. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it a lot um, on the podcast. I mean, previous podcasts, but there's no—I don't think there's such thing as the main AR anymore. Uh, people are the main AR that people are using right 
now as the automaton, and that thing is basically an SMG. I mean, it has the same. I think it has a faster, uh, a faster round per second than the. Um, what's the kind of what's the SMG? The uh, MP40. MP40. I'm pretty sure it shoots faster than the MP40. I think you're right. And it also doesn't have any recoil. Which defeats There's the no purpose recoil. of having classes, doesn't it? I mean, you look at it games like does. Valorant and CSGO and even Apex, and the ARs, you have much slower fire rates, you have different spray patterns that are harder to control, and then you have SMGs that are laser beams, they shoot really fast, but you have to be very precise because mags run out so quickly. You don't have any contrast of classes with this game. No, there's absolutely none. I mean, the only thing that is any different between the MP4B and the Automaton is the Automaton hasn't, doesn't have any recoil, so it can shoot at range a little bit more. And the fact that it's um, it fire spray is wider than the MP40. That's about it. I mean, it, it's just not... Call of Duty is not in a good place right now. Um, and not to mention that you die in two, literally two bullets. So you can be on board with somebody that's going, I mean, making a really good flank. They get one kill and then just get trade out immediately because they get killed in two bullets. Yeah, it's... Because they're because the guy that they they just killed spawned two feet behind them and shot them in the back. I saw somebody tweet out today that um, Vanguard has to boost the HP to 200 at least for CDL. Um, I think that was Teep. Maybe it wasn't. Um, yeah, I saw something like that. I think it was Teep. Do you think that's a, that would rectify some of this? I mean, Or is this beyond repair? I don't think you can change it right now. I don't think you can change it in the middle of the season. I mean, if that was something that was brought up before the season started, maybe. But... I mean, they're already used to getting killed into bullets, so it's, I mean, you can't really change it now. Okay, and no. here's here's another problem. Here is another major problem. You have waited, what is it now, five months after release of your game to start your competitive, and you haven't sorted this out. Like, it's one thing to wait five months and want to, like, recycle interest in your game, you know, between launches of your your annual release game but this crap has to be sorted out you, this is a disaster how in the five months leading up to this did you think the time to kill was okay for professional esports i have no idea i don't know the answer to that i mean they just i don't know i think i don't know if they have any like ex-pros that work over there or not but they need to hire some ex-pros to like at least bring in or bring in the professional teams and be like, hey, this is what we need in a game, and it's gonna be the best Call of Duty we've ever produced for competitive. Like, yeah, they just need to have a bunch of pros in there, and they need to have like a week-long conference and just talk about what they need to do to make the game at least enjoyable to watch. Excuse these these are sad days. I am I've been a lifelong Call of Duty fan. I was brought up in FPS games with Call of Duty and Halo, and it's got a near and dear place to my heart i will be honest with you i have a hard time even watching it right now i am so frustrated with not just the vanguard side the cdl side but the warzone side 
Um, I'm holding on to this Microsoft purchase of Activision Blizzard bringing us a little bit of um, reprieve from what has been a uh, downhill slide over the last two years. Yeah, it's been bad. Um, one more thing I want to bring up just before we move on from Call of Duty. Um, there was a situation in uh, London and Optic game that I was watching. Nasty. It was on control in Berlin. Nasty gets a four piece. He, he has all four dead. Right? Nobody's on the hill. He clears out the hill. Optic literally spawns. I mean, I know that they lost by 100 points, right? So this doesn't really matter. But Optic legitimately spawned probably 30 feet away from the hard point and got immediately back on the hard point. Like Nasty cleared the whole hard point. And Optic got on the hard point before London did. That's with four dead. crazy. And so just with that being in the game, it's it's not a good spot. Well, let's let's cross our fingers for Call of Duty because um, right now they need all the luck that we can send them. Um, yes. These let's move on to a more tenured game that um, you know some might say is equally broken, um, but still the largest FPS eSport in the world, Counter-Strike. We spoke briefly. Um, I want to make it a routine for us to talk about what's going on in Counter-Strike. There is so much stuff every week. Um, Counter-Strike pros often speak of the burnout that's involved with Counter-Strike because of the amount of tournaments, but we want to keep you updated, so we're going to make a point of talking about the the most important tournaments um, and then we'll go into more depth of Counter-Strike when Majors hit but um, we talked a bit last week about last Premier Spring um, the conclusion of that tournament happened last week and the big storyline here skis was the three North American teams that participated finished 12th 11th and 10th out of 12 teams Sounds like a good day for the North Americans. Uh, it sounds like exactly <laughs> what's been happening in uh, tactical shooters and e yeah. NA esports. Um, Complexity finishes twelfth. Uh, Liquid, the, the return of Nitro has not gone as anticipated. Uh, that roster might need a little time with OC and NAF and Alige. They need a little more time to gel. Uh, EG finishes 10th uh, with Stewie2K. Um, I am eager to see how EG evolves because I think Stewie2K at the helm there can be something that's um, real special. I think EG and Liquid hold the keys to the car that is NA Counter-Strike, and if we're going to have any sort of run, it's going to be out of one of those two teams. So things to watch for there. Um, FaZe Clan end up uh, finishing in the top three with OG and Vitality. So two European teams and a French team topping Blast Premier Spring groups. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on how NACSGO is evolving throughout the year, but so far a bad start. Uh, so moving on from the Blast Premier, uh, we have a little Apex news. Um, Season 11 is wrapping up. 
I believe, tonight or tomorrow morning, I think. Yeah, tomorrow morning. Um, I think they'll shut it down in the middle of the night. Yeah, I think I read that it usually happens around 10 a.m. Really? Eastern or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, we, we got to give those midnight grinders a little chance to make, you know, the next level up. We were, we were trying to make diamond. We got it. We got there. <laughs> it was a we long grind, but we got there. Okay, we're going to have Masters in Season 12. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we have Season 12 Defiance coming up. Um, there's a new, what are they called? A new, not agent. What they called? Legend. Apex Legend. Yeah, yeah, Apex Legend. <laughs> uh, we have a new legend. Uh, some rank changes coming on. Um, we have splits. We have two maps that are going to happen in ranked, and then uh, yeah. So first, let's talk about some of the rank changes that we've seen. Uh, I'll let you go first in some of them. So rank changes, they're shifting um, the points that you can earn in ranked from your max kill points are now going to be shifted to more points for finishing in the top five. So basically, this rewards smarter players. Or, or maybe not, smarter maybe not be the word. Um, early rotators and finding positioning is going to be of paramount importance in he's I think um, some of this coincides with the rank split being on a new Olympus that we haven't seen all of yet. Apparently it's a destroyed Olympus. Um, but Olympus is a smaller map, so... Having players prioritize position over fights on a small map and rank, that's going to kind of settle down the third partying. I think that's not just a good change, but maybe a necessary change. And then Split 2 is going to be on King's Canyon, which I know, I know, I know. We've gone through this with Respawn, and they want to keep shoving King's Canyon down our throat no matter how bad of a map it is. Um, but having extra rank points for placement um i think that also helps in king king's canyon because there's a lot of open space and a lot of third partying on that map as well yeah and i think i think we we'll, uh i think we'll see a lot of these changes um really amplify in like high tier high tier apex i wouldn't say necessarily say like bronze through even plat like, I don't think you're going to see necessarily people being like, oh, we can't take that fight. We get more points for finishing fifth than we do sixth. Like, let's just not fight that and wait until they get done. So we have these lock up fifth place. I think uh, a lot of people in kind of mid to lower tier Valorant are, I mean, you're not going to see much change. But I will say um, the max RP was, so your max RP was 175 kp for, correct oh yeah, yeah sorry your max kp was 175 it's reduced to 125 but now instead of getting 100 points for finishing first you get 125 points for finishing it first so i mean i think i think you're going to see a lot more people playing for uh end game in higher tier valorant than you are necessarily in the mid to lower tier and that brings even more strength to an agent that I think is, excuse me, legend, that I think is in the most overpowered legend, and that is Valkyrie. Agents that are, here we go again, my my Valorant is showing skis. 
yeah, Valkyrie has been the legend uh, across all of these maps and rank splits, and she can scan beacons, and any legend that can scan beacons is going to be um, necessary to any team composition uh, to have at least one, sometimes even two, especially um, since if you lose one of them, you're going to really need to rely on position to get um, placement points. So mm -hmm. I think you'll see at least two agents that can scan beacons for the next zone um, throughout this season 12. Yeah, um, so we talked about kind of rank splits going on. Uh, split one is going to be on the new Olympus map. Uh, and split two is going to be on Kings Canyon. Uh, what are some of the changes that you saw on the new Olympus map? coming from the old one. So, uh, Apex, for my money, does a better job at building lore and putting out high-quality lore than any other game on the market. They have integrated that lore into everything they do, and that includes the release of Mad Maggie, the new legend. In that release, you see that something happens where she is convicted of war crimes for trying to save her people, kind of a Robin Hoody story, take from the rich and give to the poor. Um, and she's exiled to the Outlands. Um, and in doing that, she is wrongfully accused of destroying parts of Olympus, and you see things falling all over the place. And one of the major complaints about Olympus was the amount of empty space, the the way that the whole map set up to be a sniper map. Um, I think that's, I think these changes functionally are to combat some of that. Um, so what I saw, there's, there's going to be a couple new points of interest. There always is with respawn. They do a good job of adding new points of interest and changing points of interest to the point where they're unrecognizable from their old selves. Um, but I think throughout the map, just scattered will be more things to hide behind so that you know if you have to rotate across a open field you're not just dead <laughs> right um <clears throat> so you brought up mad maggie which is going to be the new legend um her her kit is very interesting to me um it looks like they're trying to combat giddy a little bit with her little fire drill thing that can go through walls and the giddy shield. Um, but in doing that, they then said, oh, here, Gibby, have a 30% bigger bubble shield. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be... I wonder if you're going to see less Gibbies because of her or if you're going to see even more because of her. I think, so, I'll tell you what I think. I think you'll see a lot of Madden Maggie in the first week. Um, and then I think that you will see almost no Mad Maggie after that in ranked. Um, this to me is closer to a Rampart than it is a Wraith. Um, I think that there's been some leaked video from the firing range. Her fire drill doesn't do near enough damage quickly enough for it to be viable for anything. I'm trying to think of situations where it's useful and... Sure, it can push a Gibby off of the edge of his bubble and do enough damage to get him to stop, like, 
snaking the one side of his bubble that the drill is on. Right. But functionally, there's not <laughs> there's not a use for it. Um, I think the one I think the one use that it really has though is uh, players healing behind the doors and holding you from coming in. Yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be a big use for that. Um, because I mean, if they're healing behind the door, you know they're going to be low HP, and you can just throw that drill on there and yeah, see you later. And tell I mean, that's the only real use that I can see. Tell me this. Um, obviously, that's not going to replace Valkyrie. Um, in your composition, would you rather have that or have a Gibby Bubble when you're rotating through Olympus? Not pro probably not. You know, replacing Gibby, especially on Olympus. Um, no, I don't. And then what about Bloodhound or Caustic or, like, I still would rather have their kits in, when I look at who she'd replace, I don't I don't see a spot for her yeah, in the meta. No, I don't either, especially with teams only being three people playing, you know? She could be a pub stomper. Oh, absolutely, I mean, whenever I'm playing pubs, I usually run Horizon or something like that because she's fun to use and... You get to suck people in with their ult and throw naked. I mean, they love a good suck. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, she she would probably be fun in pubs. I mean, running fast as crap with a shotgun would always be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll see her uh, a much larger prevalence of Mad Maggie in rank in uh, pubs than you will ranked. One other interesting change coming, skis, is uh, for the first time ever, Apex is putting guns into the replicator, and I personally think that this is a great idea. The devs have cited that this is to make the loot pool more fair, so if you land, say, staging, well, might be a bad example, no World's Edge next, um, next season, but if you land at a point of interest... And your best gun that you're coming out of there is a, I don't know, a 30-30 repeater. But you would prefer to have an AR. You can waltz on over to the replicator and you can craft yourself a longbow. You can craft yourself a flatline. Uh, that means at bare minimum you can come out with two viable weapons anytime you drop if there's a replicator. I think yeah. you'll see more people landing at replicator points of interest even more than normal um but i do think it is good for the game i think it's good for the game as well um i mean we have the situation right now in the map with big mod where you can go buy like gold weapons purple weapons stuff like that and i think that's an amazing integration into the game as well uh so i think the option to purchase your Purchase at least a viable gun with your crafting metals is, I think that's a really good change that they're making. Well, last bit of news before we move on to the top five players of the week. Um, I just saw that Caustic is getting a slight nerf. He can now shoot his gas, his Nox traps, uh, while they're going off, which you used to not be able to do before. So um, I think that's a hard counter. You and I had a fight yesterday that was very frustrating where uh, we win the fight every single time if there's not 500 caustic traps in the building. Now you can just look at the base of them and shoot them. Caustic still is viable because while they're 
looking at the gas trap and shooting it. Caustic can shoot them. Um, but now he has to be less of a teddy bear sat in the corner staring at the wall um, and more of a apex legend and be a little bit aware. Um, so all you brain-dead Caustics out there, you're getting a nerf. Time to shoot your gun. <laughs> Top five, skis. The most iconic segment of our podcast, Esports Report. We are going to go back to the original kind of structure uh, where we will give you five total players, uh, one from each of us, five through one. And then, um, yeah. So, Skis, why don't you start us off? Who is the fifth best esports player of this week? So, my number five is going to be somebody that, I mean, all of mine come from the CDO. Uh, but my number five is going to be Shotzi. Not, not necessarily because like. Well, not oh because gosh, they won. No, not because they won. Because they didn't win. Uh, but because of how abysmal of a performance he had in the kickoff to this weekend uh, map one on Tuscan Hardpoint, he went 34 and 18, uh, and it's, that, that's the shot to see that we expect every time that uh, he is playing in a major game and it was just it was great to see him uh, show that he still is shot uh, with that being said we moved to number four and Andrew will tell you our number four number four for me is going to come as a little bit of surprise this player did not qualify for closed ECT qualifiers, but he was the star player on Sonics, a team out of Australia um, that really overperformed what any expectations were for them. And uh, this player's miniature, an American player playing for the Australian team. He had twice as many kills in their last matchup against the. Um, Kansas City Pioneers than any of his teammates. <laughs> I think that kind of speaks for himself, for itself. Um, he really went off, and this is a young player that should be on the radar for Tier 1 teams because Sonics is a team that will sell a player for money. <laughs> I think Miniature might be next, especially if you see some roster changes on these big-name teams that we mentioned earlier that are having some struggles. So, Miniature, number four. Skis, hit me with your number three. Number three, I have coming out of the Paris Legion, uh, I have John. Uh, John is somebody that not a lot of people talk about. Um, I mean, his name is John. What is there to talk about when you have a name like John? But <laughs> John, okay, Paris plays the map Gavitu extremely well. And his matchup against Face. Uh, John is the guy that, on offense, in control, is going to infiltrate into the defending spawn and just hold it down while they're trying to capture a uh, beach side. Okay, so that point over on the beach side, uh, John is a pest, and he somehow finds a way into the spawn every time and absolutely just holds off whoever is trying to uh, sw swing out of the building in that uh, spawn back there and 
he just absolutely went off against Atlanta Faze. And it was really cool to see a team like Paris be able to control spawns and not only control but hardpoint as well on that on that map. But there's one team I don't want to play on Gavitu. It's Paris Legion right now, and that's a big part to do with John. Uh, number two. Who do you got for us with number two, Andrew? Phase Baby. No, I'm just kidding. It's not Phase Baby Bay. Uh, your boy Dre. Uh, this is a guy that um, I, I am admittedly a 100 Thieves fan. I have said that publicly on the podcast, so you know where my conflicts of interest are. When he came over and was one of the founding members with Hiko of the original 100 Thieves team, he was the guy that I pointed at, um, over venerated and validated and those other players that like this is a player that's really good that i'm happy to have on my team uh, might have been hard done by he was only there for three months they didn't get much of a run out but um he had a decent run at lg i was sorry to see him go there he is a very humble uh very caring very kind individual young man i would even say um he found a home in evil geniuses evil geniuses qualify uh, for the close qualifiers, make it through the upper bracket, and I am very happy to see your boy Dre uh, in those close qualifiers. He was a player that was a duelist that is now over a week and a half switched to uh, initiator. Uh, he's playing mostly Sova. This is a new role. You saw him with uh, shock dart kills. You saw him with spam kills with his dart, especially on Ascent. He was the most important player for an evil genius side that was not meant to qualify and did qualify number two this week your boy dre and skis let us know who is the number one player this week via esports report the number one player this week coming out of the london royal raiden had to be it hurts me, it hurts me to say that because they destroyed Optic. But the number one player this week has to be Nasty for me. Uh, Nasty, I don't know what's going on with him over there, but he is absolutely just slaying everybody in his path. Nasty is looking like a young scump over there for the London Royal Ravens. Um, like, like I talked about earlier, he's he's clearing hard points with four people on them, and uh, just... Uh, he's taking space for his team so well for them to be able to rotate. And um, yeah, Nasty, Nasty is looking nasty. That's all I have to say about him. The name fits the player, and clearing sites 1v4 in Vanguard might be the hardest call of duty to do such. So well deserved from Nasty. Skis, looking forward to next week. We're going to have uh, VCT close qualifiers starting. We have more Call of Duty League. We're going to have first impressions from Apex Season 12 and what we expect out of the ALGS. As always, tune in to our Twitch channels, twitch.tv backslash moneymonzon for myself, twitch.tv backslash lilskeezer uh, for skis. You can find us on Stitcher, you can find us on Spotify, and if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, any reactions to any of our takes, tell us how terrible we are at our jobs, uh, you can find us on Twitter, at EsportsReportUS. Skis, a banger of a week, like always. I look forward to next. To everybody out there, 
Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week.